My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Hello, beautiful and awesome listeners. Thank you so much for joining me here on Girl Boner Radio today and every time you tune in. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and wow, it feels like weeks have passed since last week's show. Have you ever had one of those weeks? I've been having that kind of month in many brilliant ways with a few challenges sprinkled in, but you know what? Those challenges are so important if we wish to grow and move forward in our lives, right? They also make me extra appreciative that I get to spend this time with you all. I was already pretty high on this this experience I get to share, so you can imagine. I raise my girl boner to you. Nice visual, I know. Uh, I have such a fun show in store for you all today. We will be talking male escorts and then diving into the film Shades of Grey. I'm sure you're shocked. No one else is talking about it. It's a movie I and about 10 bajillion others saw in theaters recently. My first guest today is Garen James, the owner of the largest straight male escort agency in the world. His company, Cowboys for Angels, has been growing in leaps and bounds in success, gaining a whole lot of media exposure. Uh, He's appeared personally on The Tyra Banks Show, Dr. Phil, 2020, Nightline, and much more. And all of you who've been listening to this show for a while will recognize his company from the hit Showtime series Gigolos, which recently wrapped its fifth season. I had the pleasure of interviewing one of its stars, Nick Hawk, you guys may recall, last March, which was a lot of fun. And I'm so excited to have the man who's made that and so much more possible on the line with me today. Welcome, Garen. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you so much. What a great introduction. Thank you, August. Oh, I'm so happy Thanks to have you. Oh, of course. It's our, it's our pleasure. Uh, I'm so intrigued by, by the work you do. And, um, and I, I've seen Gigolos, which I'm sure tells somewhat uh, of the story, or at least where your stories led to. But could you tell us how how did Cowboys for Angels begin? Well, first of all, I have a question for you. I need to know, what is a girl boner? Because <laughs> That's a great question. Because it sounds like something that I'm very interested in. Well, when I heard I could be on the show Girl Boner, I was like, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to, you know, be on that show? <laughs> you know, I happen to agree, but I'm, I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> I've been wondering about girl boners since I was about 11 because we didn't learn about female sexual pleasure in, in grade school sex ed. So that's, that's kind right. of the, the history of it. And I know that your, your whole company is kind of all based on uh, celebrating girl boners in, in many different kinds of ways. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. Like we're, we are here to, to um, you know, I guess the whole point of, of that is to make somebody happy and, and pleasurable and, and have a great time. So, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's our whole goal. Uh, it's, it's funny, like our job, there's not too many jobs out there where um, you are getting paid. Obviously, the guys are here per, for a profit, but there's not too many jobs out there where you're getting paid to, like, make somebody smile and feel good. So it's pretty pretty unique sort of company in, in and in way of life. Sure, I can imagine, so. and especially uh, that it is male escorts geared toward um, bringing pleasure and, and joy and satisfaction to to females, which uh, 
is is not all that common. Is that right? Are are there many escort services like yours around? Well, you know, when I, when I first started the agency, there were some 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 companies in Europe that were doing it, and, and in the United States, there were some men that were advertising as as male escorts, and they were they were putting that they were bisexual, I guess. So they were seeing both men and women, and so really there was no nothing big or anything that was going on and and i really attribute it to women going on and saying hmm you know okay well i'd like to hire this guy but he was just with a maybe a guy named joey last night so i i really think that was a big turnoff for women so that was one thing that we did from the beginning is we we sort of screened our men so they weren't seeing men, you know, on the side or on their off days or anything like that because we felt that that would be a little bit of a turnoff for women. Um, and so that was one of the first, we are, I guess, one of the first um, straight male escort agencies in the United States. Interesting. That That's very interesting. And is that how you came up with the, the name then? Because it sounds like you know, cowboy is a very traditionally um, masculine yeah. rescuer, I guess you could say. Or wh- where did the title come from? Uh, well, it was kind of just a. Uh, this is kind of embarrassing, but it's uh, it's it, there's a George Michael song, and it's cowboys and angels, and I just I don't know. I just kind of loved the fact that there's a rugged sort of man who's there, and and that there's a woman, and we treat her like an angel. Um, and so all of our clients, I try to tell the guy, please make sure you treat them like an angel and make sure that they feel special. And so Cowboys for Angels. Nice. Well, it has a nice ring to it for sure. And obviously it's, it's been going well for you guys. Tell us what the process is like. So if a client uh, comes to your, your company, the website or in person, what is that application process like? Yeah. So we're, you know, so many women call and they think it's going to be, like a complicated process and we're, we're pretty simple when it, as far as it, 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 you know coming to hire uh, one of the men it's basically they go on the website and they sort of browse and, and one good thing that I found out over the years is that um, what I like to do is when I'm speaking to to a client is, is find out like a couple different choices that she likes because you can look at the photos and you can look at the bio but a lot of times to find a better match for somebody, you just I just visit there and I just like to talk to them for a little bit and find out a little bit about them. Of course, one thing I do not ask a woman and I never have and never will is, what is your age? Because that's usually the question that you do not ask a woman. That's so funny. Um, it never bothers me, but it bothers so many women in L.A. that when I tell people my age, I think they automatically round it way up. Cause, but, I, yeah, it, I could see that being exactly. a common concern. Right. So I just try to find out a couple of guys that they like, and then I'll just talk to them for a minute and find out if they're more of a type A personality, if they're a little high strung, if they're if they're very corporate and they need somebody more relaxed, or if they need somebody uh, to make them smile more, if they're in a, if they're a little down and out, if they need somebody who's really funny, or if they need somebody who's who's more mentally stimulating. So um, we have such a variety of men that it, it's usually better if I help them pick somebody. Um, it'll help them find a better match. And, and basically from there, we just ask for a deposit just to sort of lock the person in for the date. Um, and that way we don't book him with anybody else. Um, find the time and location and how long they want to see the person for and, and go from there. 
pretty pretty easy process to to, to see one of the men. Um, so, and what are most yeah. of your clients looking for, or is it a whole variety? I imagine you know they have all different kinds of fantasies. Some are single, some are in relationships, and uh, are they looking for a particular type of thing? Is it companionship and sex? Is that something that I know you can't like negotiate that or or make that uh, part of the contract? Is that right? Yeah, no, yeah, no. It's it's illegal in the United States to like sell any sort of um, sexual services, so. You know, we're very clear with clients, and, and if somebody calls and expresses that, you know, I try to educate them on the law and, and, you know, what they're allowed to, to hire people for in the United States because I don't want to tell somebody no, and then they call somebody else and, you know, say, hey, I want to pay for sex, and it ends up being like a reverse thing. And, you know, there's, unfortunately, I mean, there's a lot of that um, going on, and, and people need to be educated about that. So, um, you you know, it's funny. It's like when people ask, like, what is a client looking for? And, and most of our appointments are, I would say, average would be overnights or weekends. Um, we get a lot of, of longer requests, like a 24-hour appointment. So, you know, if you think and try to sit and, like, imagine two people naked having sex for 24 hours straight, um I don't think it's physically possible, and I don't think it's physically possible for somebody to have sex for a weekend straight. So, you know, obviously there seems to be something much more going on than some sort of, of, of a need for sex or anything about sex. You know, with women, it's any woman could walk into any bar and just raise her hand and say, hey, I want to have sex with me, and, like, she'll have a line of guys. So, you know, obviously there is something more to it than than uh, sex because, you know, not every woman can raise their hand and say, like, I want a very outgoing, educated, tall, handsome gentleman that I can walk around with and, and, and you know, have heads turn and feel validated and feel special. And, you know, that's that's something that's very hard to find. And how has the, the public responded uh, when they, I know you've been in so many TV shows and different uh, publications. Is the response, are people, is it controversial? Are people supportive? Hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's really strange. Um, it all depends on, on what their viewership is. <laughs> if it's like, um, if it's uh, uh, more conflict-driven, then of course they have to, you know, bring in an audience or bring in a bring in a crowd and make it controversial. But it, it's it's so funny that male escorts or the escorts in the United States is is a 100% legal profession, and um, um, but the problem is is there's like a social stigma because the only time you hear about Escorts is when a legitimate agency crosses the line and opens up a brothel and puts up this menu for sexual services or, you know, very crazy kind of things that can happen. And so in the media, uh, there, there's, there's isn't like, there hasn't been a lot of stories until we came along about great agencies that are doing great things for, for people. And, and so it, it's just, it's been sort of an uphill battle to, to bring, to the table a, a legitimate service that's doing legitimate things and 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 so yeah i mean we do have a lot of people that are like 
we love you and we have other people that are like we don't understand and we think obviously something illegal is going on here sure which is the case with anything we do with sexuality it's such a there's so many taboos unfortunately and uh so much is not talked about and i'm it's one of the things i'm grateful for with gigolos is that it does bring light to these kinds of conversations and uh that you know, women are desiring of of this kind of companionship, you know, with or without the the sex that you mentioned, and it's it's very interesting. And the show is actually funny, and also um, I feel like there's a, a strong empowerment factor. There are a lot of women who who come in and and they share their stories so boldly and what they're interested in and what they want. And I I found that really really fascinating. What do you find most gratifying about um, the work you do and within Gigolos specifically? Um, well, you know, Jubilees is, is, um, uh, it's, um, it's driven for a certain audience. And so there's so many different, um, scenarios or dates that I would love for them to film that they just not, I guess, exciting enough for, for the network. So, you know, the things that really make me driven for what I do are a lot of things that just aren't shown on that type of show. Um, and, it, you know, I've had calls for, for women that um, tell me they have six months to live, um, and they have cancer, um, and their bucket list is to go to Las Vegas and, and see some shows and, and be with uh, be with one of, one of my men and, and have them um, not talk about, you know, have her not mention once that she's not going to be here longer and not have that person, you know, have that focus or, or make what, you know, their conversation about because you know, any, anybody that they're dealing with is always talking about what's happening to them and they just want to forget about everything and, and go and have this amazing weekend and, and, and feel like they're treated like an angel and, 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 you know, before they go. And I've had so many situations like that. And I've had so many women that call me up and they're going through a divorce and, and they can't start a new relationship because they're in a battle with this old relationship. So in between time, they still want to have fun, but they don't want to go and dirty up a new relationship. So they hire a professional and we've helped so many women get through those battles. And we've had so many other women that have had traumatic experiences and, you know, one of the things that I always remember is a woman who um, called the agency and she had burns on 30% of her body. And, and, and it was something that happened like a few years ago and she she didn't go out on a date yet. And, and so her thing was is to go out on a date with a guy and sit and for once like tell a guy exactly what happened to her so she could get out of the way. And, and, and then have him, you know, rub her, you know, touch her scar and, and tell her everything is okay and, and help her get through that and start to get into the dating world again. And so, you know, we have so many clients that are using the service for fun. Um, some of them are really busy women who are just flying to New York. They're from LA and so many women that are CEOs and we've had women on the Forbes list and we've had women who are who are just out for a couple hours of fun and then we have like these special needs cases which really uh, is what makes me know what we're doing is, is a wonderful thing for the society. 
Wow, that's really beautiful. Uh, and what are your goals moving forward with uh, with the company? Um, that's a good question. You know, we, we of course we'd like to keep building in the cities that we're in. Um, I'm really like looking forward to doing something like you and starting like a a, a book line kind of, you know, nice. like. Uh, like a Cowboys for Angels romance series. I was just thinking uh, that when you were sharing the stories, what an amazing anthology that would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you and I have a, a, a few things in common. Um, uh, it's so funny when people, when I used to, to be a model and people would be like, are you a model? And I'd be like, no, I'm an international model. <laughs> I did the opposite. I said I was babysitting or I was, <laughs> I would say I'm a med student. I'm a brain surgeon just because, <laughs> I don't know. I had the opposite issue maybe, but I, I felt like, I don't know. I, I just never felt like I fit into that world. Yeah. You well, know? no, I would joke. You know, it's like okay. funny. It's like, are you a model? And be like, no, I'm an international uh, okay. male model. Because I worked in a couple other countries, so yeah. I'm, you know, totally international. That, like, what is uh, that movie? I can't believe I forgot the name of it. You're reminding me of that movie about the, it's Ben Stiller playing a model. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. talking about? Uh, uh, it's um, going to come back to me as soon as the show is over. But you just reminded me so much. <laughs> that there's yeah, so many the funny steel. scenes. Blue Steel. Okay. Blue Steel look is the look uh, that, that he would give in yes. movie. Yeah, where you suck in but, your cheeks. and Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, well, I wish you the best yeah. of luck moving forward. If there's any way that we can be supportive, um, you know, certainly reach out anytime. Thanks so much for joining us, Garen. To learn more about Cowboys for Angels, visit CowboysForAngels.com. You can also follow Garen on Twitter, at Cowboys for Angels. Okay, so Shades of Grey. Even before I saw the film, having not read the books, I should mention, I knew I wanted to chat with our next guest who will be here just a moment. Uh, because there's been this vast array of responses to the film, many women, including some of my friends, many feminists, are saying that the film encourages abuse and violence toward women. Uh, others are saying they love it. Uh, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. And I ended up enjoying the film, which, you know, I didn't know if I would, honestly. Uh, it's, you know, not exactly Shakespeare, but and it's a bit lifetimey. So if you're not into that kind of melodramatic feel. You might not enjoy it as much. But to me, it was a lot more entertaining and compelling than than I'd anticipated. And I actually found the previews before the film a lot more potentially harmful uh, to women than the actual film itself. There was one that uh, poked fun at a dance troupe of women of all different shapes and sizes and ethnicities. And they were calling these women, quote, too ugly to be cheerleaders. And everyone was laughing. It was the punchline. Another one was so violent, I had to close my eyes. But again, it's, you know, it's fiction. It's entertainment not my type of thing. Anyway, I just think it's interesting that people don't bat an eye at those kinds of things. And there's this underlying, you know, message that we receive from that kind of media. Um, but and no one's really said much about those risks when the film becomes really popular. Uh, Amy Bonomi, a public health researcher and the chair of the Human Development and Family Studies Department at Michigan State University, called it, quote, horrible and said it popularizes a dangerous relationship, misrepresenting abuse as consensual bondage play or kink. Then we have advocates such as prolific author Anne Rice, who has written a whole bunch about the series on her Facebook page, which you guys have to check out. She's an amazing woman. Um, and she also she has this great page. She calls her fans the people of the page and posts very openly and regularly. 
Here's what she had to say about the film. Uh, I believe completely in the right of women to their own sexual fantasies. I believe in their right to write and read sexual fantasies, and I will always defend them and men against efforts to politicize or sanitize or patrol their sexual fantasies. There is an inside of each of us, a secret place where our desires rule without interference. That secret place is our imagination, lecturing women on the fantasies, telling them not to like Fifty Shades because it includes abuse is just as bad, in my opinion, as telling women that, quote, nice girls don't imagine being kissed, loved, touched, ravaged, or swept off their feet. After years of tolerating a lackluster sex life, Jean Franzblau shook off her cultural baggage and gave herself permission to follow a path of sexual curiosity and adventure. That is straight from her bio, and I just love it about her. She's the writer and star of Coming Out Kinky, a grown-up comedy. It's a one-woman show she performs across the country to spark authentic conversations about sexuality. I had the pleasure of seeing it in its first week. It's phenomenal. It's funny. It's inspiring. It's educational. She's also a seminar leader, coaching and inspiring people to reach their highest potential, and provides workshops and coaching on sexual esteem, women's empowerment, and a beginner's introduction to S&M. She graduated cum laude with a BA in communications from UCLA and has 18 years of experience with the 12-step model recovery. Uh, she's joined me before to share insights on, actually it's one of my most popular episodes, The Female Body Turned On, in which mm. she read a beautiful love letter to a clitoris. I think it was about a year ago, actually. It was about a year ago. Right? During the Blogfest, which yeah. is next week. Yeah. Uh, and you were also kind enough to answer a couple of uh, listener questions not yes. too long ago. Yeah. Thank you for being here, Jean. So good to see your face. You guys, I am the luckiest woman ever because I'm looking right at August McLaughlin's You're beautiful, so smiling lovely. face. Thank you so for saying you. that. It's so wonderful to see you, as always. And you were the first person I thought of when I started to hear the responses to this movie. Yeah, big, big, big responses. Big. Yeah. I mean, not only are so many people seeing it, which I think is positive in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, but the reactions, there are protests, there are people trying mm. to get the book burned, there mm. are, I just, it's hard to wrap mm. your head around. It is so complex and nuanced that there is not really a 20-minute segment that can hold it all, but boy, yeah. we're going to get a lot done yes. in this one. We're uh, going to yes. nail it a lot. Perfect. I feel good about it. So mm-hmm. what, first of all, what was your overall take of of the movie. What did you think? I was afraid because I was concerned it, it would make BDSM, which is S&M, it's the fancy way of talking about S&M, laughable. I was concerned mm. about that. I was also concerned that it would be irresponsible and therefore really uh, damaging, create some damaging stuff out there, like put it out there in a really irresponsible way. I was shocked that minute after minute, after minute after minute, I'm looking at my partner, I'm looking at my friends, there were like 20 of us at the event, and I'm like, they have get it, they're getting it. They're getting it. Oh, this is going great. Oh, that was hot. Ooh, that's hot. I have chills. So there was a lot that was going great until, okay. and this is going to need to be a spoiler alert. So folks who haven't yet seen it, if you want to see it, you don't want me to spoil some scenes for you, then please, like, watch this later. Yeah, sorry, yeah. listen to this later. So until the point when they have the argument at the end, which turns into a very bad scene, Mm -hmm. that is where everything went wonky for me. Where psychologically, I'm like, oh, these aren't people I know. Oh, that's just somebody who wrote about a person but doesn't actually know the inner workings of the mind of a person in this community. And I'm specifically talking about all of this jazz where he's like, you don't want to know me, steer clear of me. (laughs) I mean, there's that moment. But then later on it's it's that scene that scene was so yes. dark and and inaccurate and also 
Anna actually says to him, do the worst thing you can to me. And yeah. I just thought that was really, where did that? Everything was, stu- you're right. It came out of nowhere in terms of just how the arc of the characters, Absolutely. how it all was flowing and going. Yes. So leading up to that scene, we have two people who are deeply titillated by each other, trying things out with each other that were hot. And although she was new to it, she was certainly curious, fascinated with him, and obviously her body was responding. Yes. We saw that. And what a beautiful performance. Oh, I thought I mean, so too. Girl boner wonderfulness. We mm-hmm. saw a woman in her sexual pleasure and sexual experimentation and curiosity just blossoming. Yes. Like that scene where she does the little dance for him. I know that feeling mm-hmm. where you're so happy and your body's so turned on that all you can do is dance. What a wonderful scene for all of us to have to have observed and witnessed. Amen. Absolutely, and very well said. I I felt it was visceral. Her, She was so strong, I thought. I was concerned that she was going to be presented as this very weak character. Me too. This, this, you know, in distress, this this poor woman. Yes, and one, yeah, one of my friends was bummed out because the character that she displayed in the beginning was slightly different than the character that she was displaying at the end, and that's just yeah. we're having a fantasy fun. Because in the beginning, he says, I mean, just look at me, and he's like, I am. And she's being so self-deprecating, mm-hmm. like there's nothing to tell about her. Come on. Yeah, and then later yeah. on, we see her in her high heels, walking to that business meeting, about to talk about the kind track, just badass sexual yes. woman. So this is sort of a different woman, or maybe we could just say she's blossoming. Sure. You know? Maybe she's blossoming. Yeah. I think she was way out of her comfort zone, too, at the beginning. I relate to that feeling where she walks in, like, where she doesn't fit into the, you know, trendy fashions and all this and stuff. Even and even the she... pratfall, which I didn't expect. I, lo- <laughs> I was the, probably the only one in the audience who was like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> just yeah. like, I like a woman doing, like, a Lucille Ball. Oh, totally. Like, pratfall. It was it's physical just comedy. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. One thing I think that has made it problematic as far as people's responses is some people are seeing it as this is like a BDSM how-to documentary or something instead of seeing that this is a story a a fantasy that can you know perhaps teach us some things but is it's a story do you feel like it is potentially confusing people it is confusing people I think in a lot of different ways so first of all um What's good about that you can almost consider it a how-to is how geeky that they got about their consent and their conversations and even their, you know, the contract. Now, some of my peers and colleagues in, the, in this community laugh about this concept of a paper contract. Guess what, August? I had one. Really? Yes. I, I had no idea that anybody did that. Yes. So here's, um, what, you know, my friend um, um, Cassie and uh, Cassie Thomas, who has a business called A Touch of Flavor, where they do all kinds of sex education on the East Coast. They made a video about it. Yeah. Like They were actually giggling about the idea of a contract. And I think what's, what is giggleish about it is if you're negotiating like a couple hours with a partner, maybe in a public dungeon, where maybe you don't have to have a written thing, you can sure. go through, have a discussion. I certainly, I believe very strongly in negotiation. In fact, that's my number one concern for anyone participating, whether you know your partner and it's your married partner for years, or whether it's a new partner that you've, you guys want to explore this together and you're new to each other, you've got to negotiate. Because as soon as we're getting into power play, mm-hmm. there's psychological edginess, there's physical edginess. The, like even with rope, you could do damage if you don't know what you're doing with rope. Yes. Even with flogging or with impact play, you could hit somebody's kidney and really hurt them quite easily. So we've got to know what we're doing. And psychologically, 
if a person has, let's say, um, they're really f- afraid of, what is it, claustrophobic? Sure. If they get panicked around that and somebody's tying them up, if they haven't discussed those concerns, there could be a real uncomfortable or bad scene. And scene is sort of the inside word, you know, like meaning an experience. Sure. Or worse, somebody can get really hurt. Okay. Like like handcuffs. Um, handcuffs aren't typically used by, by anyone I know because they're unforgiving. And if you accidentally fall, and falls are one of the most common like mistakes in the BDSM scene, you, if you fall on your wrist, you can break them. That's like, so interesting. That's not sexy. No, not at all. And that's usually... I mean, that's a really common cliche. It's a common cliche, Incor- you know, mostly incorrect. But anyway, going back to the contract thing, there's a difference in the BDSM scene be- between people who play um, in the bedroom yeah. and people who play what's called 24-7. And 24-7 mm. means that your relationship with your partner um, is going to be one is the dominant and the other is the submissive all the time. Oh, it's a very special relationship, and it's for def- it's more serious players. But it's how they are when they go to a restaurant. It's it, although they might be very subtle about it with each other with some subtle cues, and it's how they are in the bedroom, and it's how they are at parties. It's a subtle dominant submissive thing going on all the time. So, this is the thing. So, so I did have a contract, and just as in the movie where we have two people who are obviously having foreplay. Like, they're discussing it as you, you know they're both getting very warmed up. Oh, my God, yeah. And what was the most hot thing she did is, like, and goodbye. And he's like, you mean you don't want to do this right now? And she's like, bye. I know. Do you remember that? We yeah. were all like, oh, you're so powerful. <laughs> and, oh, my God, the sex is going to be so amazing later. Yes. We, you know, for those of us who were into it, we felt that. Yeah. Here's a concern is that for people who have had sexual trauma, this material is too triggering. For people who've had non-consensual hitting or rape or anything, this material is just could be overwhelming and really might be way too rated R or way too intense for them to ever see. Sure. So I want to say to everyone who's seen it and was very overwhelmed, I'm so sorry you got overwhelmed. And there's there's another side to this story, which is that it's an erotic. Um, it's an erotic sexual expression that's consensual between a lot of people across this great nation of ours yeah. and across the world. And it's not always a because he's a bit of a control freak, almost like a stalker. He shows up in her apartment. Stalker's completely you know, inappropriate, not BDSM. There's yeah. twice that he, when he show, first of all the showing up in the apartment is stalking, and also showing up to his mo- the mother's like place like inappropriate. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, but the cheesy moment, like the moment where it's like chicka bow bow. I think there was <laughs> only one where it's absolutely totally chicka bow bow when he not only. Showed Shows up, but he's got the two wine glasses in the bottle. You know, it's like really, <laughs> yeah. dude. So yeah, completely. But when completely. we step away from that and go, okay, ridiculous stalking moment, and then we just continue to allow ourselves to have that scene. That scene was hot, very hot. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad that you said, you know, that because I'm sure that there are stalker type people who also engage in BDSM but I think some people if this is their introduction to BDSM at all they've mm-hmm. never seen it before mm-hmm. I would hate for them to think that it's always or that even weirdness. often this way yeah so first of all um, there are predators who use this scene the BDSM scene to act like they're actually in the scene but they're actually predators I don't think I've met anybody like that, but every uh, every bondage club, there are nonprofit bondage clubs all over the country and the world. 
they have like little sections on the side, which is if you are in a domestic abuse situation, call this hotline. Mm. So obviously, because I'm seeing that so often in public venues around this, there are people who are using it for the wrong reasons. So I would say as a public service, if there is anybody, male or female, where you believe you're in a BDSM relationship and yet and you dread your partner coming home, you do not want to have sex with them, you fear them, and you like shake in your boots like you have no pleasure in any of it, you are, you are not in a BDSM relationship. This is an abuse relationship. Thank you for that Undercover. Because the ple- her pleasure in this, in the movie, but everyone's pleasure. I mean, yeah. pleasure, isn't that the key? Isn't that at the center oh, of pleasure BDSM? and fun. Pleasure yeah. and fun. So if you're missing that, then that's not what it's it is. It's not it. So um, I will say this, and this is the first time I'm saying this in public, and I've sort of kept this under wraps about the book and the movie, is that Anastasia's story feels very close to my own introduction wow. to this world. Not the stalker part, but the hot part. Mm. So the partner that I, the one thing that's very very different is that he just sort of picks her out of blue, out of the blue. I myself had posted on a website looking for a dominant partner, so I knew this was something I wanted to explore, and I wanted a seasoned, experienced dominant partner. So as I'm interacting with this new, actually it turned out to be boyfriend, um, we already knew we had this in common. Okay. I, I love what Reed Mahalko says. He's a sex educator. He says, "Date your species." Uh, so I was dating my species. We were both kinky. Okay. Whereas Christian Grey in the story, he's not necessarily dating his species. She wanted a boyfriend, somebody she can touch and stroke and be with and cuddle and have dates with. Right. And so they might be, you know, sure, but had been forever. exposed to this, and it was interesting to me because, and you could tell me if, if you perceive this too, but it seemed to me that even when she's resisting, she's not. I mean, she was so into it. I know. Like when she put her, this is this part was so sweet for me. Is that you know the, the beginning scene, which is stalker as she shows up at her apartment, inappropriate. However, yes. if we just take that moment aside and we allow the scene to unfold, he said, "Is this what you want?" And I think he shows her the tie, and she puts her sweet little wrists out like, "Yes, Daddy, this is exactly what I want." Yeah. And that's I'm like, "OMG, this is a character who has the cocktail." of sex in her body. The hormones are flowing. She is flush with sexual arousal. Yes. And she wants more of what she got when her wrists were tied. Beautiful. And he, he did and he, his boo-boo with her. Absolutely, didn't he, yeah. though? And he also, he asked her those questions, which I really appreciated. He, he, he first said, basically, we're not the same species. He said, yeah. you know what? You you want romance? That's not me. And gets up and leaves. Not that there can't be romance. I thought mm-hmm. that there was a definite romance that about their is what relationship. Is so funny is that there was so much romance. I mean, there was tenderness and kindness and sweetness and gentleness and stroking and caressing and checking in with. All of that to me is romance. Yeah. So I'm learning that different people have different definitions. Sure. And and maybe the character that they've created for this man is that he doesn't feel like somebody can get too close because of his own wounding and right. stuff like that. And his wounding, I'm curious. I know that some people, men and women, who have been uh, sexually traumatized or yeah. abused find BDSM fantasies very empowering if they embrace them, mm-hmm. they may feel more shame about them because they already feel shame about the, the experience mm-hmm. they went through, which, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Uh, but I've heard many professionals, uh, Dr. Laura Berman has a mm-hmm. wonderful program uh, on, I can't remember the, the, the network, but she has a, a program that where she does sex cu- counseling with couples like mm-hmm. live. And several different uh, couples 
were able to admit these fantasies they had, and it turned out that they had been abused, and it was a really safe, beautiful way for them to find healing, you know? So is it's that par- something that you encounter in it's a community? It's paradoxical. It's paradoxical how much healing can be found in it. So what I'm finding in every area of my life is if there is a calling within me, that it's my job to find a safe way for me to express that calling. And for me, that is an evolving calling. I keep having different callings. And I'm like, no, not that, not that. It's <laughs> ringing <know>. again. Right. <laughs> so for this one, um, I, I do want to say that, you know, there was one particular study. It was a, a survey of, you know, the mental health of people in the kink community. And the mental health of people in the kink community and outside the community is on par. It's like the same, except one aspect, which is kinksters tend to communicate better. Because they go to all these, like, geeky classes about how to communicate. Because if you're going to negotiate before you play with somebody, that's sort of asking for some, like, judo, you know, judo communication skills. Totally. Especially if you're getting as in-depth as they did in the movie, which I was shocked that they used the words. I'm just quoting from the movie. Anal fisting and vaginal fisting in a movie? We really yeah. saw that. In the United States, I in a know. mainstream film. Shocking. I heard somebody say, but it's not fair. They kept showing her breasts, but they didn't show his dick. And I was like, they didn't show her vagina either or, or her any of her genitals. They, they, can't, they can only go so far in an American movie, yeah, you know, in yeah. a very commercial. Too bad, because they both worked out so hard. We should have been able to see everything. <laughs> let them just they show worked, it all to they us. They worked so hard to make their beautiful bodies for yeah. us. God bless them. Absolutely. So do you feel like it's helping the BDSM community or kind of bringing more light to it? I, I feel like this could be a big moment in my own um, offerings in the world. I'm offering my first uh, full-day workshop, which is S&M, a gentle introduction. Like, more people might actually be open to attending that with their partners or singled or whatever. That's exciting. It yeah. means that the movie created a conversation, created permission yes. for people who've had that longing all along. Because so of that, that longing that is there wonderful. and you don't embrace it or if you have shame that's the worst thing oh i've run into it so much where people on um there's a kinky website called fet life it's it's a it's facebook for kinky people and again and again um, i will look at profiles i'm so curious about how people get involved with these things and they're like i will no longer ignore my inner calling or i will no longer ignore who i really am and it's just very moving to me that they're like i'm putting this is the line in the sand i'm putting my feet firmly down i have to be who i am That is absolutely beautiful, and it's also what I believe about our sexuality as a whole is when we embrace our sexual calling, which I've never heard it put that way. Mm. It's lovely. But whatever our sexual calling may be Mm -hmm. now in the future, when we embrace ourselves, our whole selves, Mm -hmm. we learn to listen to the call everywhere in our lives. For sure. You know? I have a good example of that, which is, it's so awkward but true, which is, um, there is a, a club in Los Angeles where professional dominant women and professional submissive women um, work is all like similar to the last caller. It's all within the context of the law where people can come in and role play fantasy role plays. And I found that very intriguing. And it was just so taboo for me because it's so close to this idea of prostitution. And yet I had the inner calling. Mm-hmm. So I allowed myself to audition. Wow, good I for you. I showed up. I met the woman who, you know, the, one of the owners. Were you or, nervous? You know, what? Were you nervous? I was, it was better than nervous. I was excited. <gasps> I was like, I had an inner thrill. Wow. I was just like, I'm having an adventure right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm driving to in, through LA and I'm about to have such a singular adventure. Yeah. And the next day after that interview, which in itself was an interview, like no other job interview of my life, yeah. I felt 
For multiple hours the next day, I was in a state of joy and self-love. I can't explain it any better, but when I gave myself permission, this opening in my whole body, everything changed. By By just saying, you are allowed to have that adventure. Other people might judge, but you're allowed to. That is beautiful. I'll never not, forget it. Not thinking about what, I won't forget it either. Yeah. You know, people uh, think and worry so much about what other people will think. And mm-hmm. I think that that is so paralyzing. It's so painful, yeah. especially if it keeps you from living your life, yes. the real life that you are meant to live. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I wish we had hours to talk Me about too. this. Me too. We may have to. If we get lots of questions, which I, I'm guessing we probably will, yeah. we may have to do a follow-up. I would uh, love it. I would love that, too. Thank you. Uh, so before I let you go, though, yeah. uh, tell us where people can learn more from you. Sure. And, you know, if they're interested, because I do feel like these conversations are starting. People might be able to say, honey, that movie we saw, I'm can interested. We? <laughs> a little something-something. <laughs> yeah, so I can be found at sexualesteemwithgene.com, and I have some free offers. One of them is uh, is mistakes women make that keep them perpetually sexually dissatisfied. So that's a series of lessons. The other is if any woman is interested in kink, how do they keep themselves safe? Like the mistakes women make in that, where like dangerous blunders. Ooh, so important. that is an offering. And then a third series of classes is for both um, for everybody, and that's around being touch starved, like that we need human, healthy, rated G touch in order to make good sexual choices. So how do we, what mistakes do we make every day that keep us touch starved and how to stop doing that? Beautiful. And just very quickly, I know you also have your cuddle parties. Could you just very quickly, we need to do a show on that, but could you just share what that is? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a, an event called Cuddle Sanctuary. It's actually different than Cuddle Party, which is a an organization I respect. They are the foundational people who created this whole concept. And these are rated G events where folks come in. We do a, we do a workshop discussing the boundaries. Like you have to ask and wait for an answer before you touch anyone, for example. Your clothing stays on. It is truly a rated G event. And then comes the next section of the social the social event. I call it a cuddle laboratory where you can choose to be alone or you can choose to ask somebody for a hug or you could choose to do what I call companioning, which is sitting next to somebody and you maybe your legs are touching, your arms are touching and just sort of looking out at other people. And just being side by side, or you can choose to get a shoulder massage or a foot massage um, with for just like a couple hours. It's absolute bliss. Mm. So the oxytocin levels get, get ignited in the body because of that beautiful intimacy created from um, healthy touch. Amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Such, it's, so, it's such a great public service. I'm going to do my first women's cuddle Ooh. next month, all women, um, all female, female-identified people. And uh, I'm going to just keep mixing it up just to see what groups come together. Our laboratory. Exciting. Laboratory of cuddling. Okay. I'm going to have to see if I'm available for that one because it sounds fabulous. Um, and every seven. time I see something about one of your events, I just think, i got to go. So. Okay. Thank you again for being here. I so appreciate it. And I hope all all of you out there will go and check out your website. Thank you. Say it one more time, please. Sexualesteemwithgene.com. And Gene is spelled like a pair of pants. <laughs> Perfect. We won't forget that. Thank you, Gene. Bye. If you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and review, and hop over to my website, augustmclaughlin.com, for show extras and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for listening, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.